This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Do you want to listen to this episode ad-free? You can do that with our brand new Apple Podcast subscription in the Apple Podcast app. With our Apple Podcast subscription, you'll be able to listen ad-free and you'll get special access to our 11-episode bonus archive. Hey, I'm Paige. And I'm Natalie. We're the hosts of the Murder Diaries podcast. We bonded over tacos and true crime after we matched on Bumble BFF. You know, like any normal millennial using an app to meet new friends. Every Thursday, we upload a new episode. In each episode of The Murder Diaries, we tell true crime one story at a time. One week, it's my turn. And the next week, it's mine. You still think it's in my head, but I'm walking with the dead. Today's case has weighed heavily on my heart since I heard the news back in June 2016. Now, all murders are senseless, but this case makes me want to scream, why? Why, why, why? At 22 years old, Christina Grimmie was on the cusp of superstardom. Barely 5'3 and maybe 110 pounds soaking wet, she was a tiny little thing with a voice that could simultaneously touch your soul and give you chills head to toe. Over the years, she'd successfully jockeyed her YouTube fame into an impressive season on NBC's singing competition, The Voice, and opened for the likes of Selena Gomez and the Jonas Brothers. However, Christina's music career and her life came to a screeching halt when a deranged quote-unquote fan gunned her down amongst a crowd of people. We may never know why, but here's what we do know. This is the story of Christina Victoria Grimmie. Christina Grimmie was born on March 12, 1994, and grew up in the Marlton section of Eastsham Township, New Jersey, with a love of music as early as four years old. Despite being quiet and a self-proclaimed introvert, Christina also had a huge talent for singing. This was noticeable to close friends and family by the time she was six. In fact, she's been described as quote-unquote raw talent and a force to be reckoned with. Now, Paige, don't worry. I'm going to play a clip a little later for everyone to experience her voice for themselves. I'm really excited about that because I used to follow her on YouTube. Her voice is absolutely insane. She's the second child and only daughter belonging to Albert and Tina Grimmie. The four Grimmies were as tight-knit as could be. That's not an exaggeration either. Christina and her older brother Marcus were inseparable. She absolutely adored Marcus, whom she considered her best friend. The feeling was mutual too. And that's something you don't always hear from an older brother. Trust me, I have one and they don't always say that. I have one too and ditto. Throughout Christina's childhood, the Grimmy family grew even closer as they dealt with their fair share of troubles, namely Christina's mom, Tina's decades-long battle with breast cancer. In Albert's words, 
Tina's fight with cancer was something that shaped our whole family. As a result, money was tight. Tina had to leave her receptionist job to focus on her health one day at a time. Yet that never stopped Christina from pursuing music one way or another. Christina's love for music and talent for singing eventually morphed into a need to perform music herself. She took a few piano lessons, but primarily taught herself to play it by ear, which is an incredible feat not many are able to do. She also taught herself how to play the flute and the bass. In July 2009, at 15 years old, Christina joined YouTube after her friend Lauren convinced her to share her talents with the world. In a video posted on the Christina Grimmie Foundation website, Christina's dad, Albert, describes the interaction between the two girls. He said, her friend Lauren showed her her iPod and says, listen to this girl sing. She's got 30,000 followers and you sing way better than her. You should upload a video to YouTube. A month later, Christina did just that. She started a YouTube channel under the username ZeldaXLove64. And this was a nod to her favorite game, Zelda, and her favorite gaming system, which was Nintendo 64. She uploaded a cover of Don't Want to Be Torn by Hannah Montana, aka Miley Cyrus, and then another cover of Dear Friend by Stacey Orico, garnering over 100,000 downloads in a matter of days. And that was only the beginning. I feel like even just describing Christina, it's like a time capsule of the like the late 2000s. Oh, absolutely. I mean, some of these names, as I was doing the research, I hadn't heard or read about for at least a decade. Christina began consistently posting singing videos on YouTube covering songs of other artists. And her voice and personality gained a committed fan base. Christina's YouTube channel also documents her evolution as an artist, gaining confidence in her abilities. Here's that clip I was talking to you about earlier. Christina is singing Titanium by David Guetta and Sia. It was originally uploaded nine years ago and has 31 million plays to date. Hey guys, I'm going to be singing Titanium by David Guetta and Sia. This is probably one of the most powerful songs I think I've ever played on piano. It's so amazing, raw. Yeah, so cool. Hope you guys like it. You shouted out, but I can't hear a word you say. I'm talking loud, not saying much. I'm criticized But all your bullets will go say You shoot me down But I get up I'm bulletproof Nothing to lose Far away, far away Ricochet Show me down, but I won't 
With a voice like that, it's no wonder she soon gained a massive following across social media, primarily YouTube. And to put things into perspective for our listeners, one of Christina's most listened to covers was a collaboration with singers Sam Tui and Kurt Hugo Schneider. And in this cover, they're singing a stripped down version of Nelly's Just a Dream. And that particular video has over 201 million views as of this recording. That same year at the age of 16, Christina's talents caught the attention of none other than Selena Gomez's stepdad, who manages Selena's career. Selena's stepdad reached out to Christina on YouTube, but he never heard back. And this was due to the email getting lost among the thousands of fan messages Christina received daily. He wasn't ready to give up though. And I really believe this is a testament to how much he believed in Christina's talents. Eventually, he thought a way around it. He contacted Marcus, who had been in a few of his sister's YouTube videos, and that's how he got in touch with Christina. Selena's stepdad introduced Selena and Christina, and the two became friends quickly. They formed a sort of mentor-mentee relationship. Christina joined Selena on two of her U.S. tours, including her We Own the Night tour, and eventually Christina released her own EP, and that was all within the same year. By the way, Christina's EP even debuted at number two on iTunes. She had so much going on in just that one year, that one short period of time. It's like her career was in autopilot with the accelerator to the floor. That wasn't even all of it either. The Grimmy family packed up and moved to Los Angeles to help Christina further her burgeoning career just months afterward. Christina soon after appeared on the sixth season of NBC's singing competition series, The Voice. And she came in like a wrecking ball, destroying the competition with a performance of Miley Cyrus's song of the same name, Wrecking Ball. All four of the judges, Adam Levine, Shakira, Usher, and Blake Shelton, turned their chairs around in a bid to get Christina to join their respective teams. However, she chose Adam, and this pairing proved to be a perfect match. It sounds like her choice of using the song Wrecking Ball was like completely serendipitous. And it was magical to watch her on stage, performing with every ounce of her being. Even her collaboration with Adam Levine singing Gautier's Someone I Used to Know was incredible. The way their voices harmonized left the audience wanting more. At least I know I wanted more. Christina ultimately placed third in the competition. On the night that she was let go from the show, she left with her head held high and with an onslaught of new loyal fans. When asked about his sister's time on The Voice, Marcus said, I'm done being surprised by cool things she does. She's very talented and she's worked incredibly hard. It's a dangerous combination. That right there shows you not only how much he believed in her, it also showcases that while watching his sister perform, he knew her so well. He knew every little trick she had up her sleeve, everything that she was non-verbally showcasing during these performances and just everything involved in being on the show. And he was right. You know, Christina continued singing, writing songs, and performing her music after her season on The Voice. 
In fact, just two years later in 2016, Christina joined the band Before You Exit on tour. And Marcus, her number one supporter, was right by her side acting as tour manager, merch slinger, and everything in between. Shout out to the title Merch Slinger. That brings us to June 10th, 2016. Christina opened for Before You Exit at the Plaza Live Theater at 425 North Bumby Avenue in Orlando, Florida. The concert started at 7.30 p.m. and there were two to 300 people in attendance. The show went off without a hitch. And Christina welcomed guests to the back of the theater for a meet and greet after the show. This was something that she did at all of her shows. So it was common practice for her. Christina's brother Marcus has said about his sister, she just generally loved the people around her and gave everyone the time of day, no matter what. And he was right. About a hundred fans, that's a third of the audience, lined up to meet and take pictures with Christina, who sat at a table ready to sign autographs while Marcus managed the merch table a couple feet away. There was unarmed security for the theater and bag checks were conducted at the entrance. So all felt safe. But it was a false sense of security because not long after the meet and greet started, a man wearing black jeans, a black t-shirt, and a red, white, and blue plaid long sleeve shirt stepped up to the table. Christina reached out, arms open wide to give the man a hug. And that's when he pulled out a gun and shot Christina at point blank range multiple times. Christina immediately fell to the floor. And this part always really gets me in my feels because I can't imagine how this moment in time felt for her brother because without hesitation, Marcus flew over the merch table. He tackled the offender and grappled for the gun. The offender was able to break free before he put the gun to his own head and fired, killing himself instantly. The theater was still full of concert goers on a buzz from the show, maybe even some beer or both. As a result, not all who heard the shots realized it was the sound of a gun. An ear witness describes the event as sounding similar to multiple balloons popping. Once it became obvious that an armed and homicidal man was responsible, chaos erupted. Concert goers let out screams and stampeded for the door. Multiple calls went out to 911 at or around 10.24 p.m. The head of security, Jesse, entered the theater shortly after the shooting, and someone was already performing CPR on Christina. Now, none of the sources say who this person was, but I really get a sense that her brother Marcus was so involved at this point that it wouldn't surprise me if it was him. Jesse, the head of security, approached the suspect and checked him for a pulse, but couldn't find one. On the floor beside the offender were two handguns, one next to the offender, and the other gun was about 15 feet away. Because there were still many people in the theater or trying to leave the theater, the head of security decided to make the gun safe by ejecting the magazines and clearing the chambers before placing them in the same exact spot he found them. He later stated the gun that was away from the suspect had a misfeed malfunction, which would have prevented it from firing. This suggested that the gun closest to the offender is the one that was used on him and the one that shot Christina. Officer Mitchell Ulmer and other units responded to the scene. Christina was treated by 
Orlando Fire Department Rescue Number 6 and eventually transported by ambulance to Orlando Regional Medical Center. It's there that she was pronounced dead by Dr. Jillian Davison at 10.59. That's about 25 minutes after the 911 calls went out. When commenting on the event, Orlando Police spokeswoman said, Christina's brother is a hero for saving and stopping him from not hurting anyone else. I mean, you really think about it. Marcus had no idea what was going on. Was there more than one person? Was his sister going to survive? Was his sister shot? Was that shot fatal? There were so many things going on that when he jumped over that table, of course, he would have been thinking about Christina. But when you think about it, he was also saving the other people at the venue. This venue holds up to 1250 standing. 903 if you use the chairs uh, that the venue has as an option. So if this concert was standing room only, it could have had up to 1,250 people in attendance. There really could have been a lot more victims had there been multiple perpetrators and all of these variables that Marcus wasn't aware of yet when he jumped over that table to get to his sister and to disarm the perpetrator. We're reminded just two days later on June 12th of the massacre that occurred at Orlando's Pulse nightclub. Marcus really is a hero and he didn't know what to expect when he jumped over that table. So we have to put ourselves in his shoes to really understand exactly what they're talking about when they call him a hero. Two detectives were assigned to investigate this case. Upon arriving on the scene, six nine millimeter shell casings were on the floor five near the merchandise table, and one near the suspect. The detectives talked to Marcus Grimmie. In an audio tape statement, Marcus recounted the shooting and he told the investigators that Christina hadn't received any threats or undue attention from any overaggressive fans. In fact, Marcus had never seen the suspect before and he didn't remember seeing him during the show either. On top of that, neither Marcus nor any other witnesses recalled hearing the suspect say anything before or after shooting Christina. Fortunately, a witness named Michael Ward approached the detectives at the scene, and he said he had an audio recording of the entire incident. And this is because he had had his iPhone in his pocket recording the concert during the concert. He had failed to turn it off afterward. As a result, in his recording, a series of shots are heard followed by a single shot. He was able to give that recording to officers and they were able to put it in their case file. Unfortunately, there weren't any video cameras inside or outside the theater. As a result, written statements were obtained from the witnesses, many of whom were considered ear witnesses to this shooting because they had heard it, but not necessarily seen it. Now you're all probably wondering who this offender is. The investigators didn't find out until he went to the coroner's. Now, if you're all wondering who this offender is, I'm about to tell you. Upon the body's arrival to the morgue, the coroner looked through his pockets. And in his pockets, they found a Florida driver's license, which bore the name Kevin James Loibel. This license was used to positively identify him, and it proved that he was a resident of St. Petersburg, Florida. There were other things in his pockets as well. He also had a ticket for the show in his pocket printed on June 5th, 2016, in addition to his cell phone and a key for a room at the Courtyard by Marriott, located at 
730 North Magnolia Avenue. When I'm listening to you list what they found, it just feels kind of ominous to me. Like the ticket that was printed just five days before. And as he printed it, he knew what he was going to do and commit this heinous act. And the key to the Marriott where he was staying and preparing again for this horrendous, horrific act. To further underscore your point, upon further examination of the offender's body, they found two full nine millimeter magazines in his front pocket and a tactical knife strapped to his ankle. He was set for war. Because investigators now knew where the offender had been staying, they went straight to the courtyard by Marriott and they approached the front desk manager named Pierre. They showed him the offender's picture and immediately Pierre asked if he was the suspect in the theater shooting because this had now been broadcast on all news outlets. Pierre went on to explain that when the offender checked into his room, he struck him as being strange and that's in quotes. The hotel employee goes on to say that the offender arrived by cab at approximately 1.30 p.m. on June 9th, 2016. That's the day before the shooting. The offender arrived without any luggage and paid $269 for a single night's stay. The investigators received permission to enter the room from the hotel management, and that's where they discovered, like the hotel employee said, there was no luggage. There weren't any personal belongings visible, and the bed looked as if the offender had slept on top of the covers. They went through the trash and it appeared that the offender had purchased some food from the hotel snack bar and ate it in his room. However, they did find some personal items in the room safe. In there was a small Nike drawstring backpack with personal hygiene items, including an empty plastic Glock gun case. The case contained nine millimeter ammunition and spare magazines. The next small lead the investigation got was really due to luck. While investigators were searching and combing through the room, the front desk called. It turns out that a cab driver had arrived back at the hotel to give the offender a ride home. When police investigators contacted the cab driver, he had said that the offender gave him $200 for a round trip to his home in St. Petersburg. Now, remember at this time in the investigation, police still really don't know the connection this offender had with Christina Grimmie. In fact, police let out a statement that said, we don't know if he was just a crazy fan that followed her on Twitter or on social media. We really don't know. It's undetermined at this point. And really, that's all anyone had to go off of. Could this have been a crazed fan? Well, now that they know this man's name, they were able to contact his family. Kevin James Loibel's family said that he had no history of mental illness, but lived, in quotes, like a hermit. He even covered his bedroom windows with aluminum foil and heavy curtains because of an aversion to light. On top of that, he would often walk around with earplugs in his ears because he was very sensitive to loud noises. Although Kevin didn't have a criminal record, there were instances where the police responded to the family's home. For example, in 2014, the St. Petersburg police responded to the home because of a domestic disturbance involving Kevin and his father's girlfriend. When asked about the guns in his possession, Kevin's family had no idea that he even owned a gun. 
It turns out that he had picked them up after five-day waiting periods, the first on May 31st and the second on June 7th, which was three days before he killed Christina Grimmie. His coworker and self-proclaimed only friend, Corey Dennington, knew Kevin for 15 years. In fact, he believes, and this is in quotes, that he was Kevin's only friend in the world. Corey went on to describe his friend's obsession or fixation with Christina. He said that Kevin spent most of his waking hours watching Christina on YouTube, as well as constantly monitoring her social media accounts. And this was unusual because Kevin didn't even have social media accounts of his own. So he found a way to be able to watch and lurk and stalk Christina's Facebook and Twitter and other social media accounts without having his own. On top of all of this, Corey went on to describe his friend Kevin's obsession with getting into a relationship with Christina. In fact, six months before the shooting, Kevin lost a total of 50 pounds. He underwent LASIK surgery. He whitened his teeth and even got hair implants. All of this was done in an effort to make himself look better for Christina when he would eventually meet her. At the height of his obsession with Christina, Kevin even referred to her as his soulmate. When Corey confronted his friend about this out-of-touch thinking, Kevin threatened to end their friendship. While Corey never thought that his friend Kevin would do anything violent, he was still worried about him and his obsession with Christina Grimmie. As a result, he reached out to his supervisor at Best Buy where both Kevin and Corey worked. And he told the supervisor just to keep an eye on this sort of talk because it seemed unhealthy. This really paints a picture of how out of touch with reality Kevin was at this point. His closest and only friend was concerned. Somebody who had accepted him for who he was when a lot of others didn't is concerned at this point. This is a major red flag. Everything was taken in jest. The coworkers didn't take him seriously and even teased him about his quote-unquote internet crush. They even went so far as to show him a picture of Christina Grimmie and her boyfriend. It is said that he erupted in anger at the sight of the photo. On the Murder Diaries, it's never my intention to spend so much time talking about the offender because really, this isn't their story. So I want to take it back and give Christina her voice. Here's a few things that people said about her that knew her and loved her. The band touring with Christina when the shooting happened posted on Twitter, quote, Christina was such a loving, caring, beautiful person with the biggest heart. Adam Levine, who was her coach while she was on The Voice, wrote, Christina was a natural, a gifted talent that comes along so rarely. Bahati and I are absolutely devastated and heartbroken by Christina Grimmie's tragic death. Our hearts go out to her family. This is yet another senseless act of extreme violence. I am left stunned and confused how these things can conceivably continue to happen in our world. And it's evident that Adam Levine really meant what he said. Because a few days later, Marcus, 
Christina's brother took to Facebook and wrote, I found out this morning that Adam Levine personally called my mother and said he will pay for the funeral and her plane flight. And I was blown away. Because of the love and financial support Adam Levine gave to the Grimmy family, they knew that they had to pay it forward. After her death, they created the Christina Grimmy Foundation. This foundation's purpose is twofold. It's to raise awareness for victims of gun violence and to raise awareness for cancer. According to the foundation's website, it has donated nearly $150,000 thus far. It also boasts some stats that I think are staggering. And even if you listen to true crime, it may blow you away. The website states 99.85% of Americans will know a victim of gun violence in their lifetime. Additionally, 103 lives are lost daily due to gun violence in the United States. Here are some ways that the Grimmie family has helped others through this foundation. The foundation assisted a single mother with the cost of childcare so she could begin working again. The foundation paid for temporary housing for families whose loved one was lost in their home so they didn't have to remain where the shooting happened. The foundation assisted families with pressing bills that allowed them to get on their feet again, including halting evictions, repossessions, utility payments, groceries, and more. The website has a quote from the family that reads, We want families to feel the same type of love and support we felt when we were faced with the shock and loss of Christina. The Christina Grimmie Foundation website also states that it works closely with local victim service organizations to ensure that they're meeting the needs of families they support. They network with district attorney offices across the U.S. to reach families in need. The Grimmie family understands that families need to move forward, and that's why they stand behind what they do for victim advocacy of gun violence. This June, June 10th, 2021, marked the fifth anniversary of Christina's untimely death and murder. In honor of Christina, the Plaza Live, the venue in Orlando where Christina was murdered, put upon their marquee, Remember Christina, Orlando United. You can actually see this marquee depicted in the picture of the Plaza Live on Google Earth. So if you Google Earth the Plaza Live Orlando and you go into Street View, you can actually see the marquee at the front of the venue saying, remember Christina Orlando United. Before we end today's episode, I want to take it back to that recording earlier in the episode where we heard Christina sing Titanium. She sings the lyrics, you shoot me down, but I won't fall. I am Titanium. And even though she didn't write those words, I really feel like it captures the spirit of Christina Grimmie. And her legacy will continue to live on just as is evident in what Paige was just saying. People still remember her name. They remember the impact she made and the impact she's going to continue making through the foundation her family started in her honor. So that's why I want to say rest in peace, Christina. You may be gone, but you'll never be forgotten. In solidarity and to honor this audio of Christina singing, we're not going to leave with our normal exit. To find us on our socials, please listen to last week or any previous episodes ending um, that list where you can find us. And without further ado, here's Christina Grimmie singing Titanium. (laughs) 
thanks so much for watching guys I love you so much and I got a lot of stuff coming up for you guys including a piano cover by Skrillex ah by the way I'm doing this awesome American Idol thing um, the links in the description check it out um, if you want and yeah um, thanks so much for watching I'm super awkward awesome okay bye seeking the truth never gets old Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.